Welcome to the Testimony Word broadcast from the Keepers House Chapel International. Our mission is to bring healing, transformation, and meaning to the lives of people in different societies with the good news of Jesus Christ. When you allow yourself to grow in a relationship with Him, you start getting filled up. When you are full of the Spirit, eh, you will be restrained and constrained from doing some things that are not of honest report. God's servant delivers the word of truth with clarity, simplicity, and dexterity. Here is Pastor Francis Aubin proclaiming God's mind to you today. Tonight, we are going to continue by dealing with forgiveness, part two. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful unto you for your word, your word that's able to heal, your word that's able to bless. Bless us like never before in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Yesterday, we ended with a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19, it said, And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 said, To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So here, we see that every child of God, every believer, has been given a ministry of reconciliation. And that ministry has also been bagged with a word of reconciliation. So here we can see very clearly that every New Testament believer, anyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, the same way the Lord reconciled the world to himself through Christ Jesus, God is trying to reconcile our time, our generation, our world to Him. To Christ is trying to reconcile this world to himself through us. So we have the ministry under no circumstance should you and I come to a point to say that I can't do it, I can't forgive. Because the real ministry we have been given and the real ministry of Jesus Christ was a ministry of reconciliation. And it is the ministry of reconciliation. It is the same ministry he has handed over to us that we will reconcile the world to him the same way God reconciled to himself the world through him. And so, by giving us this ministry of reconciliation, he has also given us a tool. The tool we use is the word of reconciliation. So, the gospel of Jesus Christ is to preach to reconcile men who are offenders, men who are trespassers, lawbreakers, unto a righteous God who has never sinned before and has seen people offend all their lives. So we are talking about this word that is able to bring pleasure unto a righteous God and also bring repentance or or some conviction and the pricking of heart and conscience unto the minds and hearts of people who are offenders, who are lawbreakers, who are trespassers. That is the kind of ministry you and I have. So it is important that we embrace our ministry and we deploy the tool God has given us. But the good news is for us to be able to reconcile lawbreakers and a righteous God together. So when you are the righteous person or when you are in the righteousness being in right standing. So when you are the person 
who is in a right standing as far as a situation of a relationship is concerned and someone has offended you, has trespassed, has broken a law, has broken a trust, has betrayed you and all of that. God is seeking that through just a word of peace, a word of reconciliation, a gospel of Christ, the the peace pipe will be smoked. The bridge that is broken will be mended together or be put together so that the relationship will be fixed and restored the way it was from the beginning. It's a beautiful thing. And so unforgiveness is what breaks the bridge and creates a schism between God and man who is naturally a lawbreaker or between someone in a right standing and someone in a bad standing. And sometimes people who really offend us look for an opportunity to be given a chance to see us to mend and patch the ways together. But when people are offended, sometimes they don't give any room. I don't want to see you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Don't come near where I am and all of that. I think that one of the issues we have to handle is whether you should forget what you forgive. I don't think the human mind easily forgets the abuses or the negativities it suffers. So you might not necessarily forget what has happened to you in a negative way because sometimes the injuries can be very deep, but the Bible says we should forgive. And so the Jesus, when he was buttressing on the point about his ministry in Luke chapter 4, Verse 14, then if there's time, we'll look at verse 18. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. Verse 18, this is when Jesus had come. And Jesus began to pronounce what his ministry is. And Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So, the first thing Jesus is pointing out as his ministry task is to preach the gospel to the poor. That's the anointing that is upon him. That he will preach the good news to the poor. Number two, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. <laughs> so, Jesus is saying that there is also a category of people called the broken-hearted people and the gospel, the ministry of reconciliation is supposed to mend the heart of the one who has been broken. And broken heart is not a physical thing. Broken heart could be an emotional thing. It could be a psychological thing. It could be a spiritual thing. When the heart is broken, it's not like a tissue has been torn or something like that, but it's, it's a pain in the heart. That sometimes is even deeper than a physical pain on the outside of the skin. It's a deep tissue pain. And so many people are in the psychiatric hospital because they have broken heart. One day I I visited someone at a psychiatric hospital. And when I went to the hospital, I was going to visit that person. And I heard someone shouting the name of somebody. For instance, he was shouting the name, John. John, John, John has killed me. John has killed me. John has killed me. That's someone whose heart had been broken by John. 
And all that time, the person was taking antidepressant or was taking some drugs because he's become overexcited about John. They can't understand. People whose hearts get broken, sometimes they lose themselves to the situation that goes negative um, against them. And so Jesus said, I came because I recognize that people will be offended. People's hearts will be broken and broken heart comes mostly from relationships. Mostly also from um, disappointment, from expectations. And sometimes our expectations from relationships are so high and to some extent even unrealistic. Some other times we, we are mostly idealistic. When your mindset is ideal, when all you have is an ideal situation, that should happen. If you love me, you must not do A, B, C, D. If you care for me, you must not do A, B, C. That's an ideal situation. But the practical situation might be totally different because sometimes people perform as the occasion demands. And uh, it might be a temporal position. So when you are not conditioned with some shock absorbers to be able to absorb the temporary shocks and the disappointments that come on a temporary basis, but they become like a permanent feature in your emotions, it can create a broken heart for you. And that broken heart can destroy you right from the onset and every other relationship will suffer from the initial broken heart because what we suffer that we don't solve becomes the thing that we also offer unto people. Normally what you suffer is what you offer. So people who get hurt, they hurt other people. Hurting people hurt others. So it's important that we understand the process of healing where we allow ourselves to be healed from our brokenheartedness. And one of the key ingredients in the healing process is your ability or developing the capacity to forgive. (laughs) Developing the capacity to forgive. And Jesus was one day asked, can believers be hurt? Can people in the presence of God be hurt? And look at the answer Jesus gave. Very beautiful answer. And it is brother Peter who asked that question. In Matthew chapter 18 verse 20 to 22, he was asking whether people in the presence of God could be hurt. And look at what Jesus said. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So right away, we see the presence of God. Jesus is saying, where two or three are gathered in my name. When people are in church, they are gathered in my name. Brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, brother and a sister, pastor and a congregation member, pastor and a pastor, or associate pastors and their senior pastor, congregation member, departmental leader, whoever you are. Once we are relating on the platform of faith, he said, you have gathered in my name and I'm in your midst. So Jesus being in our midst, the presence of God being in our midst, can we still be offended and be unforgiving? Look at the next verse. (laughs) Peter is just setting the environment on which these things, in which these things come. He said, then came Peter to him. After Jesus saying that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. Then came Peter to him. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. So Peter is saying that, okay, when we come to church, when we are in church, and then my brother sins against me, 
How many times must I accommodate my brother sinning against me or being wrong or offending me or, you know, doing something again? How many times should I allow? He asks, is it seven times? Because in his head, seven is a number of perfection. When you are at seven, you are saturation point. So he was asking, okay, when we are in church, this person does this in once. Okay, maybe it's a mistake. Another is a mistake. Another is a mistake. But at seven, at the seventh time, I know that no, this is like eight is a new beginning. It's going to another level, right? So is it seven times? How often should I forgive? That's the question. How often must I forgive? And here he's not taking it out of context. He's saying that even when you are where two or three are gathered in his name, there might be issues that will warrant forgiveness. And so whilst we are even in the anointing, in the presence of, we are singing together. People can be singing together and they are asking, how often should I forgive? They can be praying together. A husband and a wife can be praying together and he's asking, how often should I forgive this man? How often should I forgive this woman? How often should I forgive this my mother, this my father, this my brother, this my sister? You can be in the place of the anointing and you will still be asking that question, how often should I forgive? I think it's a section B and it's a compulsory question in section B and this is 30 marks. And if you, if you don't get this right, no matter how hard you try with all the other questions, you are going to fail. So Jesus said, no, it's not seven times, Peter. Look at what Jesus said in the next verse. He said, Peter, we are not looking at just seven times. Seven is just a number of perfection man sees things. He says that Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Hey. Jesus is saying that, Peter, I'm not telling you it's only seven times, but I'm telling you that until 70 times seven times, then you can say you are tired. So what's 70 times seven? 70 times seven is 490. All right? So Jesus is saying that your brother should practically wrong you 490 continuous, consistent times. Not today, and then he repented tomorrow, and then he didn't wrong you. It should be like this. Pa, 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 in a continuum. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Maybe every minute, every hour is wronging you in a continuum for 490 times. Then you can say you are tired. But why is Jesus giving Peter this mathematical calculation that you need to allow yourself to be wronged or to be to be offended 490 times in a continuous way before you say you will not forgive. Because Jesus is saying that forgiveness itself, by the time you go through 490 times of forgiving your brother, you would have developed the art, the skill, the capacity, the shock absorbers To be able to forgive without even looking at the trespass of your brother or your sister. I mean, if you're able to forgive someone a hundred times, you will not even consider they are wrongdoing again. You will just accept them as they are. And you will forgive them even before they commit another offense unto you. So, saying it's 490 times or 70 times, 7 times, Jesus is saying that forgiveness must be an act of faith. 
It must be a skill you develop by your faith. It must be a capacity you develop by your faith. It must be a shock absorber you put into your system by faith in Christ. When you come into Christ, Jesus said, you have been given this ability, this shock absorber, this capacity to develop the skill, the art of forgiving 490 and by the time you go through that pace, you would have forgiven that person without even thinking about their sins again. That is why the Bible says that blessed is a man whose sins are forgiven and whose iniquities the Lord will not remember any longer. Because by the time you forgive somebody continually, you develop the spiritual muscles in your heart. That the, what the person does doesn't go into your heart again. Doesn't affect you. Doesn't poison you negatively. That's why Jesus is saying that. And you see, most people have a thin radius of tolerance. I learned this from my, my senior pastor. So what does it mean to expand your radius of tolerance? There are some people, they are like a very sharp bomb. With a little click on them, they will detonate. So you see that some people keep saying that I'm a very angry person. I'm a quick-tempered person. Those people are very quick to be angry and they escalate, they explode. With the least thing, they explode. They are very confrontational in a negative way. They cannot absorb anything. They cannot soak anything in. They don't even sleep to think about something most of the time. Once something goes pa, pa, pa like that, they are like eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and they don't even give any space at all. Their radius of tolerance is very small, and they are thick, they are light, Skin people, you, you can easily get under their skin and they'll be reacting. So for you to be able to forgive, you need to expand your radius of tolerance. That is your ability to take a blow and still smile with it. That is what a shock absorber does in a car. When you sit in a modern car, a very born again car, huh? it, it has good shock absorbers. When you go on a ramp, it, it becomes boom. When you, you bounce on a pothole, it becomes boom. But when the shock absorbers are weak or they are spoiled, when you go on a ramp, you see that it tosses you up like the old time bone shaker. And it shakes your bone. You bang on a pothole and it shakes your bone. So if you are in a car which shock absorbers are very bad, by the time you travel on a particular road that is not very good, you go home and you have body pains. So when your radius of tolerance is very slim, you always find out that your relationships bring you pain than pleasure. They bring you hurts than healing. But there are things God wants us to learn from the negativities that we encounter in relationships. And it is important for us to develop the skill of forgiveness so that we will be able to learn the lessons from the bitter encounters we have. So the Lord Jesus is saying that you'll be able to forgive when you develop the art of forgiveness. And we will talk about the art of forgiveness as we are going on in this series. But here... One of the reasons why we are enshrined to develop the art of forgiveness and we still don't develop this art of forgiveness and we don't perform our ministry of reconciliation is the fact that most people do not recognize that the ministry of reconciliation is a new covenant, new testament ministry given to the believer. And so there are, let me say again, 
The ministry of reconciliation is a New Testament, New Covenant ministry given to the New Testament, New Covenant believer. And so here, the trick is that there are many New Testament, New Covenant believers who are applying themselves to an Old Testament, Old Covenant ministry of reconciliation. <laughs> and the Old Covenant, Old Testament ministry of reconciliation is different from the New Testament, New Covenant ministry of reconciliation. For example, in the, under the Old Covenant, it's eye for an eye, tooth for, an, tooth for a tooth. If somebody slaps you, you slap the person back. But in the New Covenant, when somebody slaps you here, you turn here for the person. Right? So under the Old Covenant, somebody plugs your eye, you plug their eye back. And then we can settle the matter. Or under the Old Covenant, this is scripture. And I'm going to prove to you in scripture that there are many believers under the New Covenant who are employing or deploying an Old Covenant ministry. Look at a scripture like this. Luke chapter 6 verse 37. Watch it very carefully. Luke chapter 6 verse 37. It says, judge not and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive and ye shall be forgiven. So under the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament reconciliation ministry or the reconciliation covenant, forgiveness is a position or a choice and a condition for one who wants to be pardoned. It, under the Old Testament, you it is a choice that someone has. It, it's a position of choice or a position of condition for someone who wants to be pardoned. So he's saying that forgive and you shall be forgiven. So under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, people understood that if I want to be forgiven, then I forgive. If I don't want to be forgiven, then I won't forgive you. So as long as I don't want to be forgiven, it's a choice. That is, it's a choice I make that because I want to be forgiven, I'll forgive my brother. But if I don't want to be forgiven, that's a condition. I don't want to be forgiven, so I won't forgive you. So that's a position. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures to prove that. Okay, so forgive so that you shall be forgiven. So you see that under the Old Testament, your forgiveness is precipitated. It's built on a platform of you forgiving your brother. So you forgive others when you want to be forgiven. So if I don't want to accept forgiveness from the Lord, then I don't forgive anybody. That is the Old Testament. Mark chapter 11, 25 and 26. Watch it very carefully. Even though they are in the gospel or in the New Testament, you have to see the New Testament mostly from, from some of the transitional tests and then also from the post-resurrectional test of Jesus Christ. But some of these things, Jesus was born under the law, living under the law. And so some of these things, they understood from their perspective of the law. He said, when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye ought, if you have ought against any, or if you have something against any, that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. So you forgive so that your father in heaven will also forgive you your trespasses. Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15. I'm just showing you the mindset of people. Why people don't forgive. Even though they are under the new covenant. Because you have missed the perspective. 
For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's Old Testament. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse number 15. Watch the condition. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So here we know that forgiveness is conditional. If you forgive, you'll be forgiven. If you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. So some people say that, look, I'm not, I, I'm not going to forgive you. It's conditional, built on a conditionality. Whether if you forgive, you'll be forgiven. If you don't forgive, you'll not be forgiven. So people who are not ready to be forgiven make a choice that, hey, I'm a sinner. I don't want to be forgiven, so I'm not going to forgive you. And so that has become the mindset of a lot of people. In Luke 17, verse 3 and 4, and I'll show you the New Testament ministry of reconciliation. Luke 17, 3 and 4. Look at what the Bible said. It said, take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. So that's another. That, that they say that, okay, so the question is, how about if the brother you have rebuked does not repent? Must I forgive an unrepentant person? <laughs> That's a major question, right? Under the Old Testament, if the person does not repent, the person does not deserve forgiveness. Under the Old Covenant, if the person doesn't want to smoke the peace pipe, you to forget about it. But he says... If the person is rebuked and repents, then forgive the person. That's old covenant. So you see that people who have relationships with people who have not yet hit the platform of repentance are still harboring a lot of issues in their heart because this person is unrepentant. He keeps doing this thing over and over and over and over again. But under the new covenant... Repentance or non-repentance of the person still demands forgiveness. Why? So that you yourself will be able to fulfill your ministry of reconciliation before your maker, before God. And so let's look at the ministry of reconciliation under the New Testament. And so what is it? It, it is a position that says we have no excuse for unforgiveness. So under the New Covenant, you and I have no excuse whatsoever. For unforgiveness. We have no excuse to say, I'm not going to forgive. First scripture, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. <laughs> Are you enjoying it? It's powerful. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. If someone doesn't repent, if you don't want to be forgiven, must you forgive? Under the New Testament, watch the standard of God. By the redemption Christ has given us through the blood of Jesus. This is it. And you can read it together with me. And be ye kind one to another. Not only that, tender hearted. Oh boy. Forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Wow. I think we should read it again. And be ye kind one to another. Then be tender hearted. Then forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So under the old covenant we learned that forgiveness is a condition. But here under the new covenant it says that you must forgive 
as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So here, your own forgiveness you attain from God is not a function of works you have done. It's, it's a function of the fact that God decided to forgive you. And because God has forgiven you, you are indebted to God to be kind, to be tender-hearted, and to be forgiven unto anyone who has also offended you. Why? Because you have already received the investment of God's forgiveness towards your sins. He has forgiven you all your sins, all your blemishes, all your faults, all your trespasses. He has forgiven you and he has washed you as white as snow. And because you yourself has been a recipient of his own tenderheartedness, kindness, and forgiveness, he is saying that because you are a recipient of that, you must also forgive because you have already been forgiven. Now, how do you contrast this? In the Old Testament, he says that forgive if you want to be forgiven. But under the new covenant, you have already been forgiven, so you don't have a choice. Because you have already accepted the forgiveness from what the Lord gave you. So you don't have a choice again to say that, okay, I now have a condition that I don't want to be forgiven. No, 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 no. When you came into Christ, you already accepted to be forgiven. So that condition does not exist. It is not in force again. It has been neutralized. Now I'm showing you why God does not understand why you don't forgive. Even when people don't repent. So you have accepted the forgiveness already. And so there is no condition to say that I don't want to be forgiven. So I'm not going to forgive you. No. You have already accepted it by being in Christ. So it says be kind. Be tender hearted. Be forgiven. Because Christ himself asked for. Ask God for Christ's sake. Okay. Not for your sake. For the sake of Christ has forgiven you. Somebody took your bullet, took your slap, took the punishment of, of your sins so that you will be forgiven. So now because you have received that, you are also going to take punishment from people and yet you have to forgive them. This is so beautiful. This is so nice. And I'm going to give you more scripture. Pastor Francis loves scriptures. In the keeper's house, we are a word-based church. It's beautiful. Praise the Lord. Look at another scripture. 1 John chapter 2 verse 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Wow. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Look at the tenses. The first one he said, Christ has forgiven you already. Now he says, your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. So here also, we see that John the Apostle, by the Spirit, is, is saying that Christ is saying, I write unto you, my little children, those of you who are born again, little children, you are in Christ. He says that because your sins are forgiven, you must also forgive. Okay, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Your sins are not, not going to be now forgiven. You are not going to be forgiven now. You have already been forgiven for the na- for the sake of Christ. And because you have already been forgiven, you don't have a choice than to forgive. It's powerful. It's beautiful. 
So you have a husband, you have a wife, you have a husband who has an issue with a wife who used to insult him and look down on him and not show him honor and all of that. Now you have all come into Christ. You have accepted Christ. Then you say, I'm bent on divorcing this person. I'm going to divorce you, blah, 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 blah. No, please, please. You have accepted forgiveness from Christ of all your sins and your craziness and dishonoring God. God has not looked at your trespasses and he has forgiven you. And he's saying that because you have already been forgiven, you have no choice than to forgive. So here there is no condition that, okay, If I want to be forgiven, I will forgive. No, you have been forgiven, so you don't have a choice. Now you are accountable to God. Your life is not your own. That word forgiveness is also connected to redemption. And that word redemption means that you have been purchased. Somebody has bought you with a price. So you don't live for yourself. You live for the one who paid the price on you. And Christ paid the price on your life with his blood. And so he owns you. Christ is our paymaster. He has bought us. He has purchased us. The Bible says that when he rose from from the dead, he brought into captivity. Okay? They that were captives. Those of us who were under the bondage of Satan, he brought us under his own rulership, under his own lordship. So Paul said that the life that I live, I don't live for myself. I live for Christ. And if I live, I live for Christ. If I should die, I die for him. So, because you have been bought, purchased, you are like, in quote, for want of a better word, a slave. That's why Paul uses a word, a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you can't choose your own lifestyle. You can't choose your own thinking. You have to have, let this mind be in you. The same mind which was in Christ. That if Christ forgave us, then we ought to forgive others also. So, If you have a spouse who has um, wronged you, you have a spouse who has not done well and all of that, it it is important at this point in time where we are in Easter, we are in a lockdown to ensure that you forgive them. You ought to forgive brothers and sisters. You ought to forgive brothers and sisters. Siblings are fighting because of some simple issues. But it's time to forgive. If you are born again, you do not have an excuse again. Forgiveness is not an option for the born again believer who has a ministry of reconciliation. It's not an option. It's compulsory. It's compulsory. And you see, you can forgive people and not have a closer relationship with them. Forgiveness does not mean that continue to be in the lives of those people. I'll show you a scripture that says something. For example, I'm just jumping the gun. Romans chapter 16 verse 17. Watch it. Romans chapter. I love this series so much. Look at it. Read it together. Now I beseech you brethren. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses. Contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. And avoid them. Okay. So apostle Paul is saying that. Mark them which cause divisions. So somebody comes to your home, causes division, causes a greater problem between you and your husband, you and your boss. They cause an offense unto you. Contrary to the doctrine of love, peace, 
and, and good brotherliness, good neighborliness, and all of that. He says that as we have learned, don't do that. But when people come and do that, create a problem for you, still forgive them, and but avoid them. Okay, so the forgiveness is indispensable, is inevitable, is something you should give. It is, it is a payment to God that you forgive, but you can make a choice to avoid them because this person is divisive. This person always creates a problem when they are around me. So I don't want to be around them and I don't want them to be around me. But in my heart, I have to forgive them and let them go. I, I think you understand now that you need to forgive people no matter what it is because it is good for your own spiritual health. And tomorrow, possibly I'll be talking about the, the forgiveness being part of your spiritual health. Okay, so Apostle Paul is saying that avoid them. And I know that's the issue with a lot of people. When you are saying, I should forgive somebody who broke my heart, does that mean that I should still make sure that we have a relationship? Nope. In fact, marriage counselors normally say that if you get married, try to disconnect from your exes. Okay, because it could be dangerous for your marriage. It depends though. But when people keep hurting you, you disconnect. But you have to forgive. Not everybody is supposed to be your friend. But you have to forgive. Whether they are believers, they are unbelievers, you need to forgive. That one is a godly duty to perform your ministry of reconciliation between you and Christ. But you can choose to avoid them in your life. That's why some people broke your heart so deeply. You need to avoid them. But you have to forgive them. That's the word of God. It's powerful. It's powerful. So, under the New Testament, under the New Covenant, Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 to 31. Look at what the Bible said. And I'm showing the ramification. This is why unforgiveness is very serious if you are a born again believer. It's very serious. Why? Look at this. This is a parable. Therefore is a kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. This is new covenant. And when he had begun to reckon or to let them do an account, one was brought unto him, one of the seven, which owed him 10,000 talents. Okay, so this master had a lot of servants. He traveled, came back and said, I want to take an account. And then one of the seven owed so much, 10,000 talents. So let's assume that is $10 million. And then verse 25, watch it. This guy is owing. But for as much as he had not paid, his Lord commanded him to be sold. And his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the master said the guy should be sold because possibly at that time, slavery and selling people into the labor of people was allowed. It's not allowed now. So the master in the parable, the master said, this guy should be sold, possibly his services. And when he's paid, the money should come into my account. The wife must also go into servitude. The children must also go into servitude. So you remember that in Second Kings chapter 4, verse 4, when the, the, the wife of the son of the prophet was owing so much, the debtor came from verse 1 and came and wanted to take the children away because it was allowed then, all right? 
It was allowed then that the two sons be taken away for bondmen to serve for the payment of the debt. He owed so much. So take me back to my Matthew scripture. And he says that wives should be sent into jail, children, and the person himself should be sold. So verse 20 says, so that payment will be made. So verse number 20 says, watch it. Very, I love this. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me. And I will pay thee all. So this is someone owing someone. And he's now begging. And he's worshipping. Please, don't send me to prison. Don't send me into bondage. Don't send me into servitude. Have patience with me and I will pay. So what happened? 27. Watch it. It's clear. Under the new covenant, it's clear. Then the Lord that, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. Is that not what Jesus did? Jesus was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Jesus, out of compassion, that's why I said God has forgiven him for the name's sake, for Jesus' sake. He was moved with compassion. He loosed him and forgave him all his debt, all his sins. Wow. Compassion, love. For God so loved the world that he, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him, you, you went to say, I believe in you, I worship you. And he forgave all his debt. And he said, go. Then when he had been forgiven, watch this, this new covenant. When he had been forgiven, watch his attitude. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence, cannot be compared to 10,000 talent. And he laid hands on him. He didn't even say, I will charge you. He started beating the person who was owing him. This person who has been forgiven, went out there and saw somebody who was owing him, and he started beating the person. And took him by the throat. <laughs> he hooked him. He took him by the throat. Hey, give me my money. Saying, pay me that thou owest. Now, watch this. This guy is only owing 100 pence. Which is so, so much small. Infinitesimal. Compared to what he owed his original master. And he had been forgiven a debt to the tune of 10,000 talents. But he is beating somebody, holding the throat of somebody, and he's asking the person, pay me what you owe me. So watch what happened, verse 29. Beautiful scripture. This is what most believers are doing. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, the same way he besought his master, and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee. Is it not the same way this guy went to the, the master, the original master, and said, he fell down, he worshipped, he said, please have patience with me, I will pay you. Now, the same way he asked for forgiveness of sin from his master, someone is asking for his own forgiveness, owing him even smaller amount than what he owed. You see, our sins before God is so huge, coming from Adam to what we already, we have also done. And God still found compassion, love to forgive us. Now we have people doing small, small sins against us. I'm telling you, no matter the sin human being sin against you, it is small. Why? Because our sin against the Lord was not just based on our the works of sin or the works of the flesh. It was also imputed into our nature. So our nature itself was an abomination before the Lord. Before we came to now perpetrate the works of our nature. 
So you can imagine, the levels are not the same. But this guy was owing this other guy who had been forgiven something small, and he couldn't forgive. He was beating him, holding him, and said, hey, even though I was forgiven, I'm not forgiving you. Let's look at the scripture and watch where the line is drawn. He said, have patience, and then I will pay 30. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Remember that his own master wanted to put him in prison or put him into servitude together with the wife and the children. But he begged and he was forgiven. He was not sent to hell. But he is sending people to hell. You see, unforgiveness will make you send people to hell. Even though what they are owing you is small. Every sin any man is committing unto you to your life is very small. He sent them to prison. He sent this person away to prison. So when you have been forgiven and you don't forgive, the Lord sees it as wickedness because you are in a kingdom and you are using the nature of the kingdom of darkness to operate in a kingdom of light. Now watch what happened to this particular born again believer who has been forgiven. When his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. And came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Okay. So people saw that this person who has been forgiven. Did not forgive someone else. So they went and told the original master that look. The person who was owing you 10,000 talent that you forgave. Someone is owing him and he has forgiven to forgive the person. He has he has refused to forgive the person. He has beaten the person and he has thrown the person into jail. So the Lord also said. Watch it. 32. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant. Okay, so this is how God defines a believer who is wicked. That's why forgiveness is so important. O thou wicked servant, I forgive thee all that debt, because thou desirest me to forgive you. I forgive you because you wanted to be forgiven. Why is it that someone else wants to be forgiven by you and you are not forgiving the person? Look at the next verse. Then he said, shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had had pity on thee. That's why I'm showing you that your compassion now, your forgiveness now, it is built on the fact that you have received compassion. You have received pity for your sins. He said, you should have had compassion on your fellow servant. The same way I have had compassion on you. Are you is it clear to you now? That you forgive people the same way you have been forgiven. Not if you want to be forgiven. You have already been forgiven again. Uh, already. You have already been forgiven. So you forgive people based on the same compassion, based on the same pity the Lord has had on you. So you also have pity on other people who offend you. Same. So in verse 33, this is what the Lord is saying. Because you didn't do that, you are wicked. 34. Because you didn't do that, you are wicked. And so the next verse says, and his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors. Till he should pay all that was due him. I leave this one to your own interpretation. Alright. So there are believers that will be delivered to some tormentors. 
because of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will make you be delivered to tormentors. Wrath means that he lost favor in the sight of the master. When you continually hold people in your heart, you lose favor. One of the keys to favor is forgiveness. And you'll be tormented also by demons, even though you are a child of God. Because you are not forgiven. That's why people who don't forgive are sick. They are never happy. Things don't work for them. They fight and they don't see results. Oh, I'm feeling this. They lose their favor. They lose their glory. They lose their beauty. You see people who are bitter. Their beauty starts fading. You don't get results from the work you do. And look at the next verse. Whilst the tormentors are tormenting you, he says that, so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother, they are trespassed. So the Lord is expecting you and I to forgive our brothers, not from our mouth, not from our head, but from our hearts. We must forgive our brothers and our sisters. They are trespassers. This is beautiful. If you are forgiven, you must forgive from your heart. You have to forgive and let go. Forgiving from your heart means that let go. When he was forgiven, he was made to go. When you forgive people, you don't hold them again. You don't talk in at their back. Alright? When you forgive people, you don't put them in the pit. You don't go talking to people about it. You forgive them from your heart. The same way the Lord has forgiven you. And he's fighting Satan on your behalf. You forgive, forgiving from your heart means that you are willing to do what God wants you to do. Even though you don't have relationships with those people you, you need to avoid. But it has to come from your heart. And mind you, God looks at your heart and sees what goes on in your heart. So brothers and sisters, you and I, during this lockdown, we have a lot of introspection, a lot of reflection. We have a lot of forgiveness to make and to do for people who have offended us. We have a lot. We have a lot of patching up to do. We have a lot of making up to do. You have to see, who have I offended? Who has offended me? Who do I need to forgive? Who has to forgive me? You need to pick a phone and call people. (laughs) And we'll be talking about the keys, maybe from tomorrow. You need to pick a phone, call somebody, please forgive me. You need to forgive somebody, call somebody and say, I have forgiven you. But also forgive yourself. Because if you don't forgive, you will lose favor, you will lose the glory, and things will torment you. He said he threw him to jail. Unforgiveness is a prison of its own. When you don't forgive, you are a prisoner. You are a prisoner. Whenever you have unforgiveness in your heart, you are in a prison It's an invisible prison. You are never free. That's why when you see the person, you lose your joy. You lose your cool. You see that your attitude has changed. You see that your reaction will be different. You don't want to see somebody. Once you see the person, all your hormones start just going in different places. Your mood will change. You have become a prisoner to people who offended you, who who have caused you hurt. And they're not knowing that they have hurt you that much. You are hurting and you are in prison and they are enjoying. So let go from your heart. Let go. Forgive. Christ came to forgive us. It's time for you to forgive because you have been forgiven. You have no choice now. 
If you want to restore your favor, you want to be free from prison, you want to be free from tormentors, people who don't forgive, demons have access to them. It's a window, it's a gate, it's a seed of the devil. Because unforgiveness is not from the Lord, it's from the devil. When you keep it in, Satan, who is the prince of this world, comes and sees his seed inside. He is going to have to assess your life. And when he assesses your life, he will create all the havoc in your life. Please, I beckon on you today. I beseech you by the message of the Lord. That may the Holy Spirit minister unto you today. To be able to forgive because you know you have been forgiven. But let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word. We give you praise for the grace to forgive because we know you have forgiven us. Therefore, give us the ability to release anybody we have not been able to forgive from our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I want us to pray right now. I want you to pray the first prayer. Say, Father, give me the grace to be able to forgive with my heart. To be able to forgive people who wronged me. Open your mouth and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray for the grace to be able to forgive. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Marako Sipra Galaza. Holy Spirit, you are the one that is able to soften our heart. Pour your water, your clean water on our heart that we will be able to forgive in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, let your mighty hand rest upon us. Give us the grace to be able to forgive in Jesus' mighty name. We want to pray that let the coronavirus, the COVID-19, let it depart from the face of the earth in the mighty name of Jesus. As Christ dies symbolically, let the coronavirus die in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Open your mouth and begin to pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Father, intervene by your power and intervene by a scientific solution. In the mighty name of Jesus, let COVID-19 be be evaporate and disappear from the face of the earth. Let it be extinguished in the name of Jesus by the power in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray. We pray that your mighty hand will clear this away. Let your wind blow it away in the name of Jesus. We declare nations are restored. Communities are restored. Social life is restored. Spiritual life is restored. Economic life is restored. We declare the restoration of every life. Our neighborhoods, our lives, our health. The people who are sick of the virus. Deliver and heal them in Jesus mighty name. Thank you Lord Jesus. Father we give you praise. We give you thanks in Jesus mighty name. Amen. You have been listening to the testimony word broadcast from the Keepers House Chapel International. Locate us at Madina Estate, Accra, off the social welfare road between the Gulf Lane Station and Wawan Washing Bay. Follow us on Facebook at the Keepers House Chapel International. Podcast and audio rima at Reverend Francis Auburn. Visit our website at www.keepershousechapel.org. One word. For further information, call 0244-177-831 or 0204-916-168 or 0277-532-360. Experiencing Jesus, Bethany Ministries.